Good morning, everyone. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We are in the third Sunday of a sermon series called Body Building. And uh, I just love that name. It's, you know, when we think of bodybuilding, we think of at the gym. Uh, and uh, we are sort of are at the gym when we come here every Sunday, aren't we? In a different way. Uh, the first uh, Sunday in the sermon series, uh, Pastor Jenny preached a sermon on being called by God and talked about how we are all, every one of us, called by God every day. A call comes for something or other, some form of ministry that's needed in the world. Last week, she talked about how God equips us because God does not call us for something and not equip us to do that something. And today we are going to talk about uh, how God calls and equips us by God giving us gifts and particular kinds of gifts. They are gifts that are forgiving, not forgiving for dash Forgiving, <laughs> although forgiveness could be one of those gifts. <laughs> um, so we will get to that in a minute. But first, I want to give some directions about our puzzle pieces. Uh, you know that last Sunday during uh, our uh, fall kickoff, when we were in Sanford Davis room, which is part of the bodybuilding series, uh, we started putting a puzzle together that has been created for us out of a picture uh, uh, that Susan Lidstone and Laura Felton have taken and done this most amazing thing with. They have gotten the picture, gotten it cut in puzzle pieces, and now we are together assembling what will be a beautiful image of the body of Christ. And we need your help to do that, of course, because we need everybody participating, because that's the way the body of Christ is. And so uh, we would like for you, while I'm preaching this sermon, to uh, starting. Uh, Balcony has a, a container of puzzle pieces. Likewise, the, the uh, choir does. In the back of the lower portion of the sanctuary, there are two two little containers of puzzle pieces, one on each side. If you would please pick up a puzzle that container, start it in the back, and then go around, pass it around, and then to the next row, and next row, and next row. Bring it down to the front. When it gets to the front, we'd like you to turn around and send it back in the same way so that we make sure that people who maybe come in and and miss the puzzle piece actually get a puzzle piece. And after the service, as we did last week, we'd like you to take those puzzle pieces and go put them in the uh, picture, which is now a nice sized frame of the picture. We've got the outer edges. If you do not want to do that for some reason, you may either... Put the puzzle piece in the container over there, or you might put it in the back. The ushers will have a container back there. Uh, one way or the other, please don't walk off with the puzzle pieces, or we will have holes in our puzzle. And we can't have any holes in the body of Christ. <laughs> By definition, there are no empty spaces where all are involved. And more about those puzzle pieces later. So, Paul had a problem. And it was a serious problem. He had a problem with the church of Corinth. Uh, They were misbehaving. And so he had to address various issues with them. Um, uh, So our reading comes from uh, chapter 12 today. Thank you, Anna, for reading so beautifully. 
And the problem was this. First, some background. Paul arrived in Corinth probably in 49 or 50 A.D. or thereabouts. Let's keep in mind that that was maybe 25 years, 20 to 25 years after uh, the resurrection. So if you, you know, if we were to pick a date that was 25 years ago, we'd look back and we'd say, well, that wasn't long at all. It's true. It wasn't long at all. And when, when Paul now is writing, he went to Corinth and he found it to be a very lively, large cosmopolitan city. It was five times larger than Athens. It was a major area of commerce and it was the capital of the province. He found it to be diverse in every way, both racially and also in terms of religion. And every religion that was known at the time in that greater region was practiced there, including emperor worship that was also practiced there. So Paul arrived and got to know people. In particular, we read that he got to know Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila, I think that's how you say it, and later traveled with them. He loved the church at Corinth. Um, and he wrote four letters, but only two of them have come to us. Two of them are lost, and I pray someday we'll find them, because the two that we've received are magnificent uh, invitations to growth, and they contain a lot of learning and teaching about the faith, which is just essential and very uh, helpful to us. But in the letter that Anna read for us, that portion of it today, we can see that Paul is quite upset about some things that are going on in the church. In the earlier parts uh, of the uh, letter, before chapter, before he gets to what we call chapter 12, uh, he, he lists these things. And there were other things going on, but he lists these. Listen to this list. It's quite stunning. This is what he found was going on in the church at Corinth. There was a lot of divisiveness. The members were taking each other to court over various things. Um, there was some uh, food that was being offered to idols. And there were class divisions, especially at the communal meal, that is, the communion, um, when they would gather f- to celebrate communion and have a meal together. Uh, things weren't good. He says this in chapter 11. Uh, You'll see from this that the poorer people in the uh, church were not getting as much food as the other people. He says this in chapter 11. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry. Another gets drunk. What? What? Do you not have your own houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. So he's uh, hopping mad for sure. Um, And he's describing something that is absolutely the polar opposite of what we sang not long ago in Mark Miller's wonderful, wonderful hymn, Welcome, which we used to sing at Drew probably once a week when I was there all those years, and I just love it. Here's verse 2. Contrast this with the image I just gave you from Corinth. Let's talk together of a time when we will share a feast where pride and power kneel to serve 
the lonely, and the least. And joy will set the table as we join our hands to pray, singing welcome, all are welcome here. Well, if some people are getting going hungry at the meal, you know they're not sharing, and the proud are not bowing to the lonely and the lost. So it was the polar opposite of what Paul understood to be the Christian community, and he was quite upset. But he continues to write his letter, and we see by the time we get to the section that Anna has read for us, that again he's remembering his great love for these people, who are all, after, after all, very new in the faith, because the faith wasn't that old to begin with. And so they had some misunderstandings. And so this part of the, the letter that he's writing is really about teaching them about things that they misunderstood, because they had a lot of misunderstandings about things that were very fundamental. For one thing, they misunderstood the very nature of God. Um, they lived in this cosmopolitan city, and it was a, a very stratified city. There were different classes. Well, actually, there weren't that many. The rich and the very rich and the poor and the very poor. They did not have a middle class like we would understand today. And uh, in what had crept into the church were, were notions about how one got to be up here and how one got to be down here. And it went like this. If I'm up here, it's because God has shown favor on me and given me much wealth. And the reason God has shown favor on me and giving me much wealth is I'm a better person. And, of course, the opposite is true of the people down here. And so, uh, you know, this kind of divisiveness and understanding of God as the giver of a hierarchy instead of a community was very real. And it was damaging the community in ways that we understand when we read the scripture. Um, so people did not understand But they didn't have the centuries of study and prayer and all that that we have. And they certainly didn't have an altar guild um, that would provide the the elements. They didn't have a Lori Pantaleo who makes sure that we have, uh, um, she's, she's arranged for us to have communion elements. So when they gathered for communion, they'd all bring food from their own home. And some people didn't bring any because they didn't have anything. And it was up to, you know, we would hope, we would think, well, of course, it's a community, it's a Christian. No, they weren't sharing. Um, So Paul was um, addressing all of these misunderstandings about God. They also thought God gave diversity as sort of a reward. So that's why you had all these different classes. Paul understood that diversity was woven into the fabric of creation because God saw that it was good for so many reasons. And so he teaches them. And in the passage we're reading today, he talks about gifts. Whenever I do a sermon, um, I spend a lot of time doing reading on a variety of things, including words that are used and how they got to be used. What is the meaning of them? Going back as far as we can go in the usage of those words so that I can understand really what the message is. And so in this reading for today, when we talk about gifts, we, I learned that the, 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 um, the Greek word for gift is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, which means love and grace from God. Let's say that. The plural is charismata. Let's say that word together. Charismata. Charismata. It means the gifts that God gives us. 
So then I asked myself, well, where did the word gift come from? Well, the word gift comes from the Greek word doron, D-O-R-O-N. That's the English uh, version of it. Uh, and doron refers to a gift that is given freely. Nobody's forcing me. I just give this gift out of love because I love the one I'm giving the gift to. So it's just a natural outpouring. And then I asked myself, well, where does Doron come from? And Doron comes from a word, I'm not sure I'm saying it correctly, didomai, I believe is how you pronounce the Greek. And among other things, uh, didomai means uh, the cause of something. If I freely give something, I'm causing something. And one of the words that we now translate cause means spark or hit. It's like if you took a rock and hit another rock, a spark would fly. And so, of course, that sent my mind on quite a trip, and I saw the 4th of July and sparklers. So imagine, imagine if we all had sparklers, and we had a match, and we struck the match on some hard surface and put it to the sparkler, what would happen? This would happen. There'd be so many sparkles if we all had a sparkler. And that's the meaning, the root meaning of charismata. God gives us a gift that strikes a match and sparks fly. Are you feeling all sparkly? I hope so. I hope so. The first three verses in this passage, uh, uh, Paul makes uh, something very abundantly clear. He says there are a variety of gifts and a variety of services and there are a variety of activities in the church, but they all are activated by God. They come to us by God's action. And through that action, it sparks something else in us. It puts something in motion. Something happens after I get a gift. That's the intention. And the other thing that we learn uh, from Paul is that these gifts are always given by God for the common good. There's no such thing as a gift that God has given me, that God intends for me to keep to myself. By definition, there is no such thing. So from that we see how God thinks. Not in the highly individualistic way that we often think about, think, but rather always, always about the body. That's the point of the gifts and the sparkles. These are the gifts that Paul names in this letter, and there are others and you, in your bulletin today, I'd like you to take it out now. Just take a look at it. More about this in a little bit. But on this, you see uh, the list of spiritual gifts that's throughout Scripture. Uh, so this isn't an exhaustive list that Paul's giving us in this chapter, but it's an example of many others. So um, Paul realized that he needed to help reshape the worldview that probably these Christians had grown up in. So they were most likely, many of them were adults. So if it's only 25 years since the resurrection, then the message hasn't been preached for a long time. It's understandable. We, of course, have had thousands of years, so we don't get a pass like Paul's people got a pass. Um, And so he um, was calling them away from 
a highly individualized view of life. What's in it for me? To a more communal understanding. And these were the gifts that he named. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, works, working of miracles, prophecy, discernment, interpretation of tongues. All of those are listed in this other list that I'm going to direct your attention to in a moment. Um, and because, of course, we want you to be thinking about the gifts God has given you. When I am, know that I'm going to preach, I have a process that I use. That it includes, first of all, a lot of prayer and then a lot of reading and then a lot of thinking. And all, all throughout that, of course, is also a lot of prayer. And it also includes a lot of talking with God. So this week, uh, at the beginning of this week, I went for a walk. I'd done my praying and, then, and my organizing and my thinking and my reading and my studying and all that. And I knew it was time for me to go to walk, for a walk and have a conversation with God. And so I did. And whenever I do this, directly ask God about this or that, I get an answer. Either I hear words in my head that I know are not my words, or sometimes I see a vision that helps me to understand something. So this particular day, I went for a walk down to Tulo Stream, which is not far from our home, a very sacred place for me. And as I was walking, um, I made sure to take with me something that I could write something down, because I have come to know that if I ask a question, I will get an answer. And I want to you know, be able to write it down. So I'm walking, and I'm going to tell you what the conversation was. And I was standing by the road writing this all down. So here's my conversation with God. Tell me about spiritual gifts, Lord. I give them to you because I love you. I give them to you because they enrich your lives. I give them to you because they knit you together. What I give you, someone else needs. What I give someone else, you need. When you share my gifts, you draw closer to each other and you know each other better and you love each other more. And you love yourself better because you know you are needed and you make a difference. You are all precious in my eyes, all of you. I give you diverse gifts so that you will love diversity as I do and see in it my design for your coming together to become one. If you accept my gifts and put them to use, you will see amazing things happen. You will see others smile that didn't smile you will see others become more confident and better able to use the gifts I've given you. And when that happens, you will see the world change. For I only give gifts that help and heal and enliven and encourage others, that help others know that they too can make a difference. And so, they do. Paul is... Um, trying his best, and I think he does a good job, to help us to see what God is 
sang in his conversation with me. Um, At the end of it, God said to me, Ginny, the ripple effects of everything I've told you are gorgeous, like I showed you, just like I showed you at Tulo Farm, at the stream. So challenge them to know what gifts I have given them, and then watch and see what happens. Thank you, Lord. I love you. And I love you, Jenny. And I love my whole family. Well, friends, how do we know what spiritual gifts has given us? So in a minute, we're going to look at that sheet. Um, But on the puzzles, while you're looking at your puzzle, if you turn it over, once you figure out your gift, and we got lots of gifts. I'm not saying you only have one gift. I want you to pick one gift. Um, and if you, if you are interested, you want to, write it on the back of that puzzle piece. And so um, in order for us to pick one gift today, I'm going to ask you some questions to sort of prime the pump. Because sometimes it's hard and sometimes we think, what gifts? Gifts? I don't know. I, I'm a nice person. Okay, that's a good place to start. And it's on this sheet somewhere. Um, but we want, we want to press forward. Because the goal, of course, is to name and claim. I spent a lot of time at Drew Theological School uh, helping students get to the point where they could name and claim their gifts. If we're not naming them, it's harder to claim them. So that's what today's exercise is about. So here are some questions to point uh, to sort of prime the pump. First one is, what do you love doing when Notice something. When are you most truly you? Think about that. Ask yourself this. As I look at my life and the way I live it, what seems to be my passion? As I step back and look at me, do I see common themes that run through everything I'm doing? What sticks out? What am I always one one way, shape, or form doing? Oh, it's this. Okay, well then, that's an example of your gift. Fred Beekner, who's a Presbyterian theologian and pastor, says this, when your heart's deepest longing finds the world's greatest need, you have found your calling. And that's why I ask you to think about what you love to do. So I'd like us to take a minute now, look at that list and think about your gift. And I'm going to time us. And at the end of that, I'm going to invite Oh, I hope to have at least five people, but that more would be great. Simply say, my gift is this, nice and loud, so we can all hear, okay? Ready, set, go. Thank you. Uh, so first, uh, sort of a caveat. I said that it was, I had a, you know, a dickens of a time getting the seminary students to name and claim their gifts. And probably the biggest reason for that um, was that they, like, like Paul, misunderstood some theology. They, were, uh, they had been taught that it was prideful to say, this is my gift, and to be pleased with it and proud of it. That, that was a wrong thing to do, and it's for sure as heck was the wrong thing to do in the church where we're taught not to be prideful and in my view that's a real problem 
Because that's how come you hide your light under a bushel. Because somebody told you you're not allowed to say you have a light. So in this church, we do things a little differently. And we're proud of the things that God has given us because we understand why God gave them to us. And it's that spark thing. By the way, this is a Pentecost stole. I wore this today. Not my green one, my tree of life one, which I love. I wore this one today. Because, precisely because it, for me, reminds me of the spark that comes when God gives the gift. So, uh, I would like now for you to just raise your hand and say what your gift is, nice and loud. Uh, and be grateful to God and be proud of it. And we're, we're gonna, we're gonna celebrate these gifts. So who's got one? Oh, come on now. Yes. Discernment. Thank you. The discernment is a very important gift. Uh, you'll read the, the definition of it there, but it essentially means figuring out where do I go, where is God leading. Very important. Thank you. Who else? Yes. Mercy. Very important. Exhortation. Yes, exhortation. Yes, Robin. Say again. Health. Yes, very important. To nurture one another's health and well-being. Anybody else? One more. Come on, we've got to have one more. Yes. Say again. Wisdom and mercy, I hear. Welcome back, by the way. Glad to see you back there. Jean and Pam. Been a while. Welcome back. Anybody else before we move on? Yes, Chris. Hospitality. One of the most precious things that we... um, Encounter in scripture are acts of hospitality. Uh, and they're, all, they're throughout the Bible. Uh, and, that, and that's one of the finest gifts that comes to us from our Judeo-Christian heritage. That's back in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, practice hospitality to widows and orphans. It wasn't just widows and orphans. Uh, you know, entertain, uh, give a hospitality to the strangers and thereby you are entertaining angels without knowing it, right? It's a consistent theme. Yes, and live. <laughs> I don't believe that for a moment. Well, the second part. I do believe the first part. He said he gave me he gave me a little of everything and now he's a master of none. But we don't we're not buying that lib. Just the first part. <laughs> okay, friends, I want to um close by uh going back now to something that God said to me on the walk. God said at the end of the walk, Just like I showed you, it's gorgeous, Ginny, just like I showed you at Tulo Farm Creek. Rich is going to put some slides up. So this is, and if we could have somebody just dim the lights a little bit, that would be helpful. Thank you, Bob. Uh, This is Tulo uh, Creek. This is is not far where Norman and I live, and I go there often. That's perfect right there. Thank you. I go there often, I have over the years. Uh, And it's a sacred space for me, and I always stop right there, and I look right there, and I... Uh, say the 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer. So I uh, went down there last year when we were planning for relationships and faith. Remember that? Relationships and faith. More coming in November, so stay tuned for that. But uh, we were in the planning of that, and so I was particularly praying uh, that God would guide us and help us discern what to do as we were planning this very important uh, program in the church. Okay, next one. Thank you. 
Rich. So I normally look that way, but I always turn around. So I'm on a bridge. In the first slide you saw, I was looking that way. Now I'm looking this way. And that's what I saw. As I turned and I stood there for a moment, uh, just, just soaking it up, the beauty and listening, I heard something. Some of you know this story because I told it in the context of relationships and faith. Uh, I heard a drop. I heard something dropping like water, like somebody was throwing water on leaves or something. Well, somebody was, actually. Uh, it was God. Um, and so I stood there for a while. Now, if we could have the next slide, please, Rich, thank you. Okay, you just have a wider view of the same position. Um, the tree was to the left, um, and wa- uh, a single drop dropped down. That got my attention. And then another one, and then another one. And pretty soon I thought, is it raining? Um, it wasn't raining, but it was raining raindrops, uh, you know, water drops. And every time they hit the stream, because of the angle of the sun and the time of day, it was the morning I was there, Every single drop hitting the water looked like a diamond. It sparkled because of the way the light hit it. Uh, and soon, there were more, more drops than I could count. And every one of them hit and every one of them sparkled and every one of them created a ripple. And so I watched the ripples. And some of them, of course, they were small to begin with. But they grew and grew and grew. And I wanted you to see this picture because you can see about how wide that it's got to be 20 feet wide. The ripples crossed over. So eventually, all I saw was raindrops turned into diamonds that are sparkling. Think sparks happen. Sparkly. God is quite sparkly with us. And the ripples went on. They would have kept going except they reached the shoreline on both sides. And I stood there, and then I heard, that's what relationships and faith will do, Jenny. And so I wanted to show this again today, because that is what the gifts that God gives us are for. They are for the giving. And the ripple effects will go on and on and on. Long after we're all gone, they will still be going on. I pray that God will help you discern what your gifts are and that by living in this particular body, you will be assisted to use them here and way beyond it out in the world. For God calls us and equips us by giving those precious spiritual gifts. Amen and amen.